Discussion over dinner. This is our home. I came to listen to you, to talk with you. Discussion over dinner is sponsored and underwritten by State Street Community Church and the Pack Center. Puente Community Center in Laporte as a project of Workforce Development Services of South Bend, where he served as Director of Individual and Family Resource Services. He worked for the Michigan City Area Schools as a Community Liaison English as a Second Language Coordinator, where he received the Carmen Natal Award from the Indiana Department of Education, an award given to an individual with exemplary caring and support of ESL students and parents. He was also inducted into the Valparaiso University Social Work Honor Society for his work with the university's social work students. The late Senator Richard Luger nominated him to the National Hispanic Leadership Conference in Washington, D.C. He currently serves the community as the Family Resource Services Coordinator for the LaPorte Community School Corporation. He has spent much of his life mentoring young people over the last 40 years, including me as your Sunday school student at some point. He's affectionately and respectfully known in the Hispanic community as Don Mario. Please welcome to our panel, Mario Rosa. Thank you. I'm glad you're here, Mario. She was born in Michigan City to immigrant parents who emigrated to the U.S. from the Dominican Republic after fleeing the Dominican Republic toward the end of the brutal Trujillo regime. After finding work in Chicago, her parents moved to Michigan City, where she was born and became the first American in her family. She graduated from Elston High School in 1982, not planning on attending college because of financial limitations, but ended up relocating to Bloomington, Indiana with a friend. Being inspired by the education environments, she managed to get enrolled and work to attend Indiana University and graduated in 1990 with a Bachelor's of Arts degree in interior design. She is one of only two people in her family to go to college. Upon graduation, she moved to Chicago and found her first job as an interior designer at a retail design firm. She has since held senior design positions and creative director positions at various retail design firms. She's an award-winning and published interior designer. She stayed in Chicago until relocating back to Michigan City four years ago to be closer to her elderly mother, and we're glad you came back. She currently has a design studio in the Uptown Arts District in Michigan City and serves both residential and commercial clients. She's on the board of directors for the Michigan City Main Street Association, an ambassador for the Chamber of Commerce, and works as a docent at the Lebesnik Center for the Arts. She also serves on the Michigan City brand leadership team. Please welcome to our panel tonight, Rose Tejada. Welcome, Rose. I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you. Finally, uh, this gentleman right by me. He was born in Guadalajara, Mexico. At 17 years old, he was accepted into medical school, but had to drop out after two and a half years because of financial limitations. Being a gifted soccer player, he moved through the Mexican minor league system to the Mexican major league by 22 years old. In 2003, he was recruited to play soccer at Bethel College in Mishawaka, where he would eventually meet his wife and Laportean, Deanne Fritzen. All roads lead back to Laporte. <laughs> 
In his three-year career at Bethel, he became an NAIA All-American Honorable Mention, Regional Player of the Year, All-Conference, and Conference Player of the Year. During his senior year, he was accepted to Bethel's MBA program without testing due to his high GPA and notable academic prowess. Five years ago, he accepted a position as an assistant coach for the Bethel Now University men's soccer team. He has also played semi-professionally for the Indiana Invaders Soccer Club, where he has also helped coach. He started working at Patrick Industries in Elkhart, Indiana in 2006 as a supervisor. After working his way up to a plant manager, he was named the business unit director and then executive business unit director, where he is the general manager for many Patrick Industry branches. He also helps develop and train leaders in Patrick Industries' Impact Leadership Development Program. In 2007, he received his citizenship in the United States of America. Please welcome to our panel, Hugo Gonzalez. Thank you. So um, I'm going to start. We're going to talk to each of you for a little while, and then we'll do some general questions as well. Rose, I want to start with you. Um, so you are um, born an American to a um, family that is Dominican. Correct. Um, you have uh, you grew up in a very bicultural experience, then, correct? Yes, I did. Um, I assume mm. you know your your parents are you know uh, their first language is Spanish and these kind of things, and but. Did you feel in Laporte County at that time you were growing up, did you feel like an other based on your kind of experience of being a uh, Latino American with a very strong Latin roots in your family and then being American born? Absolutely. I think at that time when I was um, growing up in Michigan City, there were only a handful of Latino or Hispanic families. And I definitely did feel like I was like out of the loop, you know, I didn't have the long straight blonde hair and the fair skin and you know, I was completely different. So I kind of felt a little out of place, but we did on the weekends spend time with um, other Latino families in either Chicago, um, Blue Island, just to kind of get that culture, um, you know, maintain that culture within our family. But it was odd. <laughs> what, was there any, um, so, you had your citizenship, obviously. You were born here. I was born here. Was there any tension then in your family, or was there any kind of um, fear in your family that you did have your citizenship and they didn't uh, ever? Oh, no. They, okay. I was like the lucky one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, at that time, immigration wasn't such a hot issue as it has been for the last several years. You know, at that time, uh, my parents went through the normal process that anyone would have in the early 60s. It's just so much more controversial and difficult to do now. Um, but we didn't have any problem with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about your bicultural experience because that's a that's a very, I think, um, uh, relevant experience for many LaPorte County citizens mm -hmm. who are uh, first-generation Americans or uh, uh, a little bit later. And if you have any questions about that, please don't be afraid to ask. Mario, um, you've been involved with the uh, mm -hmm. education, LaPorte County education kind of uh, experiences quite often in your life. Um, there was a quote here that I wanted to read you, and, and I, I, want, I want to get your opinion. You're welcome to agree, disagree, or just kind of expound upon it a little bit, but a, a quote um, that our content uh, developer found. Uh, another problem, um, talking about Hispanic American students, another problem may be teachers' perceptions of their students' abilities. Reardon and Galindo, uh, two uh, sociologists, found that Hispanic students entering kindergarten were rated lower than white students by their teachers, regardless of their academic ability. They were already rated lower 
um, just because they were Hispanic. Now, we had a conversation on the black experience in LaPorte County, and if you were here then, you remember one of our panelists, Erica Stallworth, said just because she was the only black student in her school at the time, she was immediately treated as an other, and they thought she was behind academically, even though she was the most gifted student there. So, um, Mario, have you witnessed a struggle in how to understand and educate Latino children in the various schools that you've worked? I would say that um, in Michigan City and LaPorte, I really have not um, faced that particular issue. I think that, you know, I've been fortunate to work with a lot of really great teachers and, and administrative staff that uh, have taken the opportunity to look at the students for who they are and the, the um, wealth of potential that's there. And, and so, uh, you know, I had my position simply because someone said, you know, we have a need uh, in, in Michigan City. Uh, it was the superintendent, um, Mike, who had said, you know, we, we need to do something here. And, and again here, um, and uh, Mr. Francisconi, who um, offered me the position and, uh, you know, I applied. And, and again, it was because we were, uh, they saw the need and decided to do something about it. Uh, you know, and I, I think, you know, even as a child growing up in New Chicago and going through the, the um, school system there, I really didn't, have those particular issues simply because we had uh, Latino and Hispanic uh, teachers and principals, and they were, you know, so we saw them all the time. So it wasn't something that was necessarily new, and the expectation uh, that we as students had was, you know, you need to do your best. Um, and they didn't necessarily take into, um, into account uh, where we came from. Now, Mario, you, you do work a lot with um, uh, Hispanic children. Mm -hmm. um, what do you see as one of the m maybe more common misconceptions of a lot of our kids that, you know, in our community that come from maybe uh, Mexico or Dominican Republic or other places? What kind of uh, misconceptions do you often hear? Well, I, I think uh, part of it would be that, you know, because they, they come... Uh, the vast majority of the individuals that uh, we service in the school systems come from Mexico, so uh, it's the, the the language issue. Um, uh, you know, the kids aren't going to learn at the, at the present time simply because they don't have the uh, the skills necessary to to compete in a classroom. But I think that again, because uh, I have to be honest, I, I work with some really great teachers and 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 a great librarian too. Uh, mm -hmm. That. Uh, really, you know, put their heart and soul into what they do. And, and I think that, uh, as it was in Michigan City, um, the, the students did very, very well. I think that, you know, as I look back, uh, 2017, uh, graduates of Michigan City, my, out of the top 20, I think six of my English as a second language students were there among the top 20 students, and they're all in college right now. So That's fantastic. Yeah. Ugo. Hi. Hola. <laughs> uh, he told me before we start he doesn't speak English, so. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, you are from Guadalajara, Mexico, correct? Correct. Okay. Um, so I wanted to put together a game 
um, called, we, I call this game, Who Else is from Guadalajara, Mexico? And I'm gonna give you a quiz, and you have to tell me which one of these people is from Guadalajara, Mexico, okay? It might be a little difficult, but I'll, I'll take Are the you up for the challenge? I'll take the challenge. Okay. So in Guadalajara, Mexico is about a million and a half people, large city, a yeah. uh, couple times the size of Laporte. And, um, Maybe a time and a half. Yeah. All right, okay, so I'm gonna read you the list and you tell me which one of these people is from Guadalajara, okay? okay. Do you understand the rules of the game? I All right. I think so. All right, first, first option, Guillermo del Toro, Academy Award winning writer and director of such films as Shape of Water and Pan's Labyrinth, okay? That's one option. Correct, Guadalajara. <laughs> He's born in Guadalajara. Is he? How do you know this? You said, you, you, you said this might be hard. You... I was a neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> what about Lorena Ochoa? Golfer, if you guys know. Golfer and member of the World Golf Hall of Fame. Um, yeah. I did uh, meet her in high school, yeah. Oh, she's from Guadalajara too. Great job. Yeah. Um, Javier. Yeah, I'm good at this game. You're really good at this game. <laughs> Most of the people here couldn't even tell you who's from Laporte. <laughs> Javier Hernandez. If you guys know, you probably already know who Javier Hernandez is. Nobody here knows. Um, soccer player and Mexico's all-time leading goal scorer is, where's he from? Guadalajara. Yeah, do you know him? Uh, yeah. <laughs> do you really? Yeah. How do you know him? Are you making this up? Because I wouldn't know. Like, I can't verify this. Uh, he's that uh, uh, play for... Chivas, which is the team at oh. Guadalajara, and uh -huh. that's where I started the minor league. Okay, uh, I'll trust playing. you. So. I'll trust you. What about this one? Uh, Guillermo Gonzalez uh, Camarena, who at 17 years old invented the uh, chromoscopic adapter for television equipment, which was, without that, we would not have the color television transmission system that we all love today. Where's he from? Guadalajara. Correct. <laughs> Look how proud he is of himself. So, um, Ugo, you are um, obviously uh, you are Mexican. You are now a citizen here, and I, I, I think some of the questions that I want to talk to you about are, you know, through the immigration system, kind of how you've worked. Obviously, you know, um, as your your friends, uh, my wife has worked through that system as well. Um, but we often talked when you were working through it, it was much better for her to be from Europe than it was to be from Mexico going through the immigration system at the time. Um, so, but before we get to those, I wanna talk, you're very close to your family. Um, what's it like being in America this far away from your family? How, is that hard for you? Do you think about that all the time? I mean, what's that like for you? Well, it's uh, definitely hard, you know, to be away from family um, uh, is, uh, uh, we're rich in tradition, as most of you see, hopefully, in the in the town. Uh, families in uh, the Hispanic community are very close, you know, is uh, number one. It doesn't matter. Uh, just example, there is no social security, so who guess who's going to take care of my dad, correct? Uh, uh, Your brother? My brother. <laughs> good, good answer. Yeah. You're good at the game, too. Uh, so... Uh, it's just uh, so many times multiple generations in the same homes uh, and whatnot. So being away is uh, extremely difficult. But when you uh, have the opportunity to come over 
uh, hopefully it gives a different spin, and that's what uh, a lot of people that come here do is uh, they come here to try to make that family better, even if it's, uh, there is individuals that work with me every day that spend here 15 years without seeing their kids, uh, just sending money over there to, to take care of them, you know? Um, so it is hard, but uh, you take it with the uh, great things that this country brings for uh, the ones that participate here, you know? So um, it was my experience that many people didn't understand how the immigration system works in America, kind of how, how take me through, um, you came in like what, 2000, 2001 or so? Yeah, I was here, uh, started college 2003. Okay, um, so take me through, how did, how did you get from there to here? What kind of, you know, what was the process like in immigration to get that, to, to get here? They don't just hand out citizenship or, I think a, a common misconception is you get married to an American and all of a sudden you become a citizen, right? That doesn't happen either. So explain a little bit for people how the immigration system works. So, um, first as a tourist, uh, you will go on a, uh, you know, request a visa to, to come to the country. And uh, uh, as much as you wouldn't think so, it gets denied more times than actually given to uh, uh, individuals in Mexico or many other countries, obviously. Uh, but then uh, I did have a tourist uh, visa before coming here. Um, uh, um, one of my aunts actually came illegally to the United States, got married, and went through the whole process a little simpler Back in the day, uh, she's about 75 years old, so. Uh, but uh, we came to visit her, and that's why I had my tourist visa. But then uh, when I got offered uh, the scholarship at Bethel, Bethel needs to write a, a letter to the consulate or the embassy uh, for us to get a, what is called a student visa, which allows you to be at college and work 20 hours max at the college. Uh, and that's uh, how I started uh, my adventure here that became my life. Um, right after college, you have the opportunity to work for a year, uh, full-time, uh, 40 hours, um, and uh, hopefully somebody can sponsor you. Um, I was uh, fortunate by then, uh, I, I uh, met my, my wife, Deanne, uh, and uh, we got married through that process. Um, and then eventually I uh, requested, uh, you know, the... Permanent residency? Permanent residency, which is a green card. Uh, before those green cards were given probably a little bit more loosely, uh, there is a very long process today. <laughs> a lot of meetings uh, uh, over here in Chicago for me. And um, um, they give you that. Um, once they accept you in the country, in essence, uh, they give you a two-year permit, which is a green card. Uh, if everything goes well in those two years, then uh, they will renew it, but they can, they have the uh, ability to deny it as well, depending on how, how you're doing as a citizen at that point. Um, and then uh, after many years, uh, I got my, my second permit, which is 10 years, uh, and then about eight years uh, into that with uh, my four kids now, <laughs> uh, I, I knew that uh, the blessings that the, this country has given me, uh, and obviously my family growing uh, here, uh, and I have a wonderful extended family, uh, and as important as it is for me to be around family, I thought, well, Laporte is the place, you know, <laughs> and uh, I want to stay here forever, you know, and uh, and I uh, took the vow to go for my, my citizenship, which was a, 
uh, over two year process. I don't know how it was for your wife, but uh, for me it was uh, two years just kind of waiting and waiting and there is never a good status on what's happening, but it's happening and it did happen. And, uh, and uh, just a recently uh, uh, got my citizenship. Yeah. yeah. For those of you that might not know, you, you, it, it's, you apply, you turn in this stuff, and then, um, then essentially they t tell you to check this website, right? And you check the website to see if there's any updates, and you just keep on going back to the website. They give you a, a login information and everything, and they'll tell you when the next step is. But they don't like give you any. It could be, it could be five months. It could be a year and a half. Like they, they don't tell you. So you just have to keep on coming back and checking, yeah. and then, um, then they'll tell you what the next step is. So it, it can be kind of daunting because you don't sometimes know. Yeah when the the next step is but hey um i think i can speak for everyone here i'm glad you chose to stay in laporte <laughs> you, uh, you have a home here um you can't leave now <laughs> uh mario and rose you you guys did grow up in northern uh northwest indiana um rose in michigan city uh mario you grew up in gary east chicago area did you guys have mentors that were Latino or Hispanic in your life that kind of helped um, out, outside of your family, I should say. Yeah, I mean, maybe in the school system, maybe um, in a job or something that you looked up to um, that kind of helped bridge the gap between your cultural heritage and America. Did you have anybody like that or did you kind of feel like you were going it alone? I was going it alone. Yeah, I didn't have any mentors of Hispanic or Latino descent. I did have a teacher in high school, our Spanish teacher, who actually was my godmother, but it's not like there was a mentorship mm -hmm. type relationship. She was just somebody I kind of connected with. But yeah, I didn't really have that experience at all. Well, uh, Mario, what about you? Um, I think first, um, my first mentor was always my dad. Uh, my dad was, uh, well, he wasn't a very big guy. His nickname was Pee Wee. He was probably four foot eleven, um, but Dad managed to uh, educate all six of us who are professionals now, and, and two of them retired. But I did have I had uh, uh, Mr. Arredondo, who ended up being sheriff and a state representative in Lake County. Um, there were several others uh, that. Um, uh, that I, I was able to see, and they were role models. Actually, Mr. Arredondo was the very first professional person that I saw in a white shirt and tie, and I thought to myself, that looks nice. I, I like that. Is most of the people that uh, are the young people that uh, were my age, uh, we were destined for the mill. And not that you know that was a bad place to go because it was an honorable um, job, but... Um, there weren't, you know, a lot of people that, that we saw, but he was one of them, and um, I really appreciated the fact that uh, he all also took the time uh, to, and I think the other mentors in my life were actually came from the black community, and um, Frankie McCullough, my um, high school French teacher, she was a tremendous person, and I had a relationship with her for 40-something years. We met maybe every six months, uh, after high school to just sit and chit chat she would we would meet somewhere halfway from Laporte and um, and we would sit and talk and she would give me guidance and, and direction and um, very very neat lady 
Um, we've got some questions coming in. I do encourage you to keep on texting if you're streaming with us um, or if you're in the room, feel free to text a question in and we'll get it. Um, Rose, uh, you moved away for how long, 30 years or so, 20 yes. years? Um, yes. What's different about LaPorte <clears throat> County now than it was, especially uh, you know, with your Latin American heritage, kind of the Latin American experience, what is different now than it was back 30 years ago or 25 years ago, and what has stayed the same, do you think? Well, I think what's different is that being Hispanic or Latino in LaPorte County is now mainstream. Mm -hmm. You know, back when I was growing up, like I said, there were a handful of Hispanic families, like five in Michigan City. So the fact that now um, the population has grown, and I love to see that, um, I think that one thing that maybe would be great to see is more of the cultural influence being shown um, throughout the community. Like right now, I mean, of course, you know, reggaeton, merengue, salsa, all that stuff is very popular and mainstream now, but I think that we're not seeing it uh, manifest in our local communities to kind of bring that cultural heritage um, to the forefront. Why, why do you think that is? Like, what, what, what's your opinion on why do you <sighs> think there's that, you know, it seems to be becoming, let's say, more popular other, other places. Is there a lack of um, maybe institutional kind of like? I think there is a lack of institutional and I think there's also perhaps a lack of personal investment because to let's say do um, a Spanish um, dance venue would take an immigrant to start that and financial resources are probably difficult, more challenging um, to establish something like that. But I think that even communities, and this is something we've talked about in Michigan City with Main Street Association, as you know, Michigan, I don't know if you knew, but Michigan City is looking at designing a plaza um, in the Uptown Arts District, which I think would be a fabulous venue, and I have proposed this to have um, cultural evenings. So, you know, one night maybe it's, um, like ballet folklorico from Chicago, or you know, it's salsa night, um, or it could be even India night, or mm -hmm. whatever. Just to really try and bring a more international flavor to Laporte County, I think would be very, very important. As people that um, share both American and uh, Latino cultures, do do you guys enjoy sharing sharing your Hispanic Latin culture with? you know, people that aren't from your culture? Is that is it a celebration thing or is it something where you <laughs> like to kind of just, you know, say this is kind of our own thing where we like to gather together? Uh, I don't know about you guys, but yeah. for me, I'm like totally sharing it. This is my Latina get up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if people come to my house, I love to try and make tostones and, you know, do, mm. I like to play Latin music and yep. I like to, you know, celebrate it. I'm very, yep. very proud of having that heritage in a way I almost wish I was born in the Dominican Republic, but I love the fact, and I think I have the best of both worlds, really, sure. by having um, that culture so deeply steeped in my being, and also having the benefits and the blessing of being an American-born citizen. Yeah, absolutely. Mario, how, are, how have things changed for you, or what have you seen kind of What's maybe gotten better, and maybe what's stayed the same, or maybe something's well, gotten worse? I, I think that you know, we're specifically addressing Laporte County. I, yeah. I will tell you that um, when I first opened up El Puente uh, as a project of workforce development, um, it was difficult. Uh, I um, the the attitude was kind of harsh, and, and uh, I have to, th to thank one person that's in the audience, and that would be Lee Morris because he was uh, uh, 
very encouraging uh, when I was going through that process, okay? And, and if it wasn't for people like him that, that kind of took me aside and said, hey, you know, you, you just keep going. And, and uh, I think one of the lessons I learned was not to listen to sound off because um, uh, it, it seemed like every, at least twice a week, my name came up uh, on sound off, and and I guess I eventually figured out that it was the same people who were complaining about everybody else. That uh, I really shouldn't take the time to listen to those those folks. Okay, but uh, well, I, I see a, a, an acceptance. Um, one of the exciting things is that um, we we see that uh, we have several Hispanic businesses uh, all along Lincoln Way, and. You know, I know every one of those uh, Hispanic business people, and, and they're very good people. They're they're um, they do a lot for the community, uh, and uh, I think that they they add flavor. Uh, I think that you know, going back to your your question about um, how do we share what we have, like Hugo had mentioned that that uh, we're very close knit family. And uh, I think one of the things that we do is we like to eat. Uh, I was I was and the last dance. one and, and dance. <laughs> I, and dance, I, huh? Yeah. I and was dance. I was the last one to leave the house. I, I was sharing that uh, <laughs> my grandmother came from Puerto Rico to live with us. She was 109 when she passed. Wow! And one of the neat things was as the last one to leave, uh, I was uh, able to. Uh, I was taught by my grandmother how to cook, and, and so. Uh, and I can iron with the best of them as well because uh, uh, my grandmother taught me how to iron as well. But uh, when we get together, we cook. When I have friends over, we cook. And and so it, that's one of the ways that we were able to share uh, what we have. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a neat experience because that's the way um, one of the gifts that uh, I just gave to one of my boys uh, my grandfather, my grandfather played uh, cuatro, and it would be the equivalent of a Puerto Rican mandolin, uh, mandolin. and uh, it's a very beautiful instrument. So my son is working on it, and eventually he's going to learn how to play it. So we're kind of extending the the um, legacy, so to speak. So, Ugo, you're, you're obviously just got your citizenship, but you've got four children. Um, Family is such an important part of your heritage. More so sometimes, though, uh, you were kind of married into a very tight-knit family, but sometimes more than the uh, standard <clears throat> American family anyway. Um, how are you teaching your children? Or how, you know, have you kind of tried to embrace, um, or how, have you tried to model that to your kids? <laughs> or how do you kind of include them into their Latin American heritage as well? Well, like you said, uh, I mean, uh, I was fortunate to be in a, a family uh, that is very close uh, uh, on uh, my wife's family, you know, so it, it make it really easy, you know. Uh, that's what we do, you know. Every, we celebrate, we stay after a meal, talk about things, you know, with the family. We get together very often. My wife is very, very good at uh, planning those uh, events. Uh, I'm not. I just show up. But uh, but I love him, you know, and uh, always uh, we, being with the family. And another important thing that we have uh, done is, uh, and uh, we have been blessed with the opportunity that almost going almost every single year to to see their town, you know, or where I was born, you know. Uh, so they get a very very different perspective, 
uh, than uh, what they see sometimes uh, in Laporte, you know, and it's uh, very, very important for me. And that's how uh, we're keeping that uh, fire alive, you know, on uh, the that uh, Hispanic heritage that they have. Uh, if you will see him, they are blonde and blue eyed. Yeah, right? yeah so, they are. So that's dangerous, correct? <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't ask questions, Hugo. We don't ask questions. <laughs> Perfect. Now, uh, so, but uh, but they were they were proudly, uh, you know, their Gonzalez, very Hispanic <laughs> last name, correct? So it's when you start seeing that they are very, very fond of that culture, even though they are thousands of miles away from my house, you know? So we continue uh, preaching how important that family is and we live it by engaging every day, you know? Do you let them know that one day they're going to have to take care of you? Uh, they're already saving for that. Okay, so, good. Because yep. yeah. you can say it. It's part of our heritage. You have to. Right. I'd like to add to that because yeah. that's exactly the way um, I grew up. My mother made sure that um, I went to the Dominican Republic to spend the summers with my grandmother. And there I just saw things that I never thought I'd ever see, like donkeys walking down, you know, in the street with, you know, uh, containers of milk to sell to the local neighborhood. And it just, it was magical. But that was one of the, I think, key ingredients in my upbringing that really helped me maintain my Dominicanness. Very much like you did with your kids. So we've got some good questions coming in. Um, it is now 710, so we're going get, to start getting into the community questions here. Um, some of them are general. Some of them are specific to one of you guys. But feel free um, to you know, answer any way you want, um, and we'll go from there. Uh, Mario, this kind of looks a little bit more directed at you. It says, it seems our county lacks opportunities for ESL training. Oh, sorry. Um, El Puente had wonderful programs, but since it went away, there seems to be a void. If so, what should we do about it now? Uh, it, it's a funding issue, and, and I think uh, last time I looked uh, at the state level, the level of dollars that had been allocated by the Indiana Department of Education really have not changed. And, of course, one of the things that's happened is that the, the number of individuals uh, who are using these services uh, has increased. And, and so, I mean, that's, that's an issue that, you know, we need to talk to our legislators about uh, to, to see the increase in funding. I think that, um, I guess the other issue would be that uh, we have to um, encourage uh, our, um, the community, especially the Hispanic community, to, to seek out the opportunities that are there. Um, you know, I'll, I've gone to most of the um, English as a second language classes that are there, and you might find 10, 20 people, but cert there's certainly a, a, a lot more that need the services. And, and so it's, it's encouraging the individuals. That's something that I do on a daily basis now with my, uh, the parents that I work with in the district is that I encourage them. Uh, I can tell you that there are days where I'll make 60, 70 phone calls to let somebody know, you know, we have this function, we would like you to come. And whenever I get the opportunity to talk to uh, the parents, I will tell them, you know, we, we need to work on our, our English skills. It's because the, the reality is is that you can't always depend on, on Senor Mario or Don Mario uh, or, or a specific teacher. Um, one of the th projects that we've been working on in, along with the library, and we've been really happy with it, uh, the library has a, a program called uh, 360. And that particular program ha uh, does have 
um, the Mango languages on it. So actually, um, we've I did it with all of the elementary schools, and we were able to take uh, the Hispanic families through. They took a tour of the library and saw all the different functions that you know, they had, the opportunities, and it was well received by the Hispanic community. As a matter of fact, uh, I was telling Mary Hedge that this week I had um, one of the staff librarians um, stop me and say, Mario, just wanted you to know that two of your parents who came through with one of the schools to, during the tour actually came by themselves to, to work in the lab. Uh, and if you don't know what the lab is, you need to talk to Mary because it's a great place for, for innovation and, and for the kids and parents to, to do different things at zero cost. Yeah. Um, Ugo, this is a question for you. <clears throat> You're involved in um, industry over in Elkhart. Um, you work for Patrick Industries, which is a manufacturer of um, motorhome or? We're a distributor to all the RV industry yep. and manufacturer housing. And Elkhart is a manufacturing kind of mecca in this area. You guys do great work over there. Um, but how important is uh, immigrant labor to Patrick Industries or just to that area to um, essentially make sure things can be employed and unemployment, these kind of things like that? Well, it's uh, ex extremely important. A large, large percentage of uh, Hispanic communities are there working for the industry and, uh, you know, and as is well known, uh, taking those jobs that are pretty tough most, most of the time. A lot of them are very skilled and develop through what you would call the, the ranks and uh, develop into higher positions. But uh, uh, there is a lot uh, of areas of the industry that, you know, they're paying the minimum wage you know, for very uh, uh, intense uh, type work, uh, very physical work. So um, uh, the Hispanic community probably takes, uh, you know, good 50, 60 percent of those jobs uh, and uh, uh, keeps the industry going at the end of, at the end of the day, you know. Uh, so uh, very, very important. And that's part of uh, how I got the blessing to work over there, you know, that I spoke Spanish. So I got a... <laughs> That was my number one ability. <laughs> w w yeah, was it, were you in the beginning kind of a liaison to that to the uh, immigrant community there, or how, how did that start for you? Yeah, it uh, it kind of started. Uh, it's an interesting start, and uh, you might remember Todd Gongward uh, yeah. at Bethel. So I it, it was a guy that uh, worked as an assistant coach at Bethel on a basketball team, and. Uh, our current athletic director, when I was there, recommended me. Hey, why don't you go and talk with him? He works for adorn patrick industries now uh talk to him so he was doing uh some leadership training you know uh at the day of the interview so i go in uh i'm interviewing with the the plan manager the general manager and then i sit down in this leadership uh training you know and everything that i saw is a lot of question marks on top of people's heads because they were all hispanic and thought was very eloquently talking in English. <laughs> so most of the people were not understanding and I kind of just jump in and start just helping, translating, uh, working with the individuals so they understood because the training actually uh, was great. You might know some of the work that Todd has done since. Um, and uh, right after that uh, session, pretty much is like, well, I think we have an opportunity in one of our branches that has uh, probably at that point was 80% uh, Hispanic. Uh, and when I say 80%, uh, a good 80% of that 80% spoke no English, you know. So 
uh, and they didn't have any leadership there that spoke uh, uh, Spanish. So I started helping uh, in the uh, supervisory roles uh, and just trying to help throughout the, the whole plant. Um, he, here's a, a question. Anybody can answer this one. These are the questions I love, by the way, because uh, you text them in. I don't know who asked them, but they're honest questions that are you're, 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 you might be too afraid to ask, but I, these, I love these questions. So, um, is it cheesy or offensive if an English-speaking person who knows some Spanish and is decent at it decides to converse with you in your language? Thoughts? Absolutely not. I, I, um, I like to use my language skills, not just my Spanish, but I speak French as well, and, and uh, I look for the opportunity to use it. Uh, uh, you know, my wife had been down to Haiti, mm -hmm. and um, you know, she was uh, trying to get a hold of somebody, and I was able to you know, pick up the phone and say, mon frère c'était là, il est ici, and they called back. And so uh, they understood. And I think I appreciate someone who takes, makes the effort to, to learn a little bit about my language and, um, and you know, just, it just enriches, enriches the relationship. Rose? I would agree 100%. I find it very endearing when someone makes an attempt. You know, you have to get through all the requests for what the expletives translate into, but once you get past yeah, that, that's it's usually actually the, Yeah, how do you say this? <laughs> yeah, but once you get past that, it's actually very endearing. <laughs> it, it, this is kind of funny, but uh, those are... My, my wife is a, a Romanian, so her native language is Romanian, uh, but uh, those were the first words I asked her to, were the expletives. <laughs> um, but it's so funny because... And maybe you guys will understand this a little more, but uh, <laughs> she, she's very comfortable saying a cuss word in English, but we'll not do it in Romanian because those are dirty <laughs> words. <laughs> English. Yeah, I don't care about them. They're not my words. They're your words. <laughs> All right. Um, how do you think, uh, this is to anybody, um, how do you think Laporte as a community, especially non-Hispanic Latino people, can embrace the culture and heritage that is so prevalent, but not seen in Laporte's? You know, I think one of the things that, going back to 1984 to the present day, I think people have a tendency in general to look at somebody's differences rather than what they have in common. And I think if we were to do, to take a look and, and whether you see that, that mother with a child, guess what? I know a lot of mothers who are non-Hispanic that have children that have the same difficulties and, and problems raising children and so forth, okay? So you have a common uh, goal, a, co a commonality that, that you can embrace. And I think that we, we don't often do that. And it's not just, you know, the Hispanic community uh, with uh, someone that's non-Hispanic. I mean, that's something in general that we as a population have a tendency not to, to do. We kind of look at them, they're different than we are. Uh, and so instead of looking uh, for the things that they have in common, which could lead to a, a better relationship and a better understanding of, of who we are. You know, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but I think as Hispanics, like, I don't see color, I don't see race, I don't see difference. And I, I almost feel like it's more like um, Americans, non-Hispanics, are more 
may be sensitive to the differences as opposed to the similarities, very much like what he's saying. You know, I don't, I don't know, I guess, in a way I feel like we don't, I don't, I don't know about Hugo, but I just like, I don't see that. And I don't know if it's because we've grown up or because we have been minorities at some point or felt more like minorities than maybe we do now. But I just don't see too much distinction in terms of class, skin, race. Hugo, you got I don't know. Yeah, I've, I've gone through some good discussions with my wife. It's like uh, if I am filling out a form and it says, uh, you know, you're a Latino, Hispanic, yes, not a problem, that's check, or check, white. correct. Or white. But white, <laughs> it's like when I go like white, well, my kids are whiter as they can get, you know. So who, are they Hispanic or are they white, correct? Like what, what? So it's, uh, it's uh, interesting, but I think I go back to the to the question of how to embrace it. It's just take that risk, correct? And uh, I, I just go ahead and say hola, even though you might not know anything else, you know. And you start getting that connection, right. you know, Absolutely. kind of what Mario starts alluding, you know. Uh, I remember when I came to Bethel, uh, I didn't say hello to you because I didn't know how to say hello, uh, because I didn't know the language. But w once I started learning one word, I didn't care. Uh, but there is a few people that laughed, you know, at me, and no problem, you know. Uh, uh, but uh, I still have a strong accent uh, in the phone. People don't understand me. Maybe in the microphone, you guys don't either, but <laughs> hope, hope a little bit of uh, Letters in the bottom. Somebody's translating. <laughs> yeah, we have like, a, but it's the old school, like 1970s, Subtitle. 80s version. Yeah. There's a uh, a person like in a picture in picture trying to do it. <laughs> yeah. there so, uh, but it, it is taking that risk, and that's how you embrace any culture, correct? Not the Hispanic culture or any other culture. You know, is how you take that risk to say hello the same way that you will say hello to somebody of your same race, correct? Mm -hmm. Which is sometimes a challenge too, correct? Because you don't know them, you don't know who they are, what they're dealing with. Uh, and it's just taking that risk to, to say hello, say good morning, uh, how are you, can I help you? You know, and those are just things that I leave as a standard in life, going back to what, what she was saying, you know, is, is I, don't, I don't see any color, uh, and you probably learn more that when you go to another country, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, because you just don't see it. You know, you don't see race, you don't see uh, religion, background, you don't see anything when you're talking to a person. You know? Right, it's almost like the risk is not seeing any difference. Yeah. Like if you can just get out of your comfort zone and just look at us all equally. I don't mean us like us Hispanics, I mean everyone. Mm -hmm. I think that... Uh, I was sharing earlier uh, during dinner that um, we just uh, had recently done our, our uh, DNA, and um, I think I was 25% uh, um, African ancestry, 59% uh, Iberian, 12% um, Native American, which is probably the Taino Indian, okay? And then the rest, I think, was a mixture of uh, Ashkenazi Jews and, and so forth, okay? But uh, if we look at Puerto Ricans in general, uh, in my household, I have a sister who is, uh, has strawberry blonde hair, green eyes, and, and white as a sheet of paper, okay? And then uh, my brother, uh, I have a, my other sister, uh, is uh, very dark-skinned, but has... Indian hair, and uh, by the way, she has one blue eye and one green eye, so um, kind of different. Mm -hmm. uh, but the fact is, is that um, I've seen um, the uh, the range 
from black Africans uh, to um, blonde hair, blue eyes, okay, within my own family. And so that makes it, it's always made it a little bit easier for me to move within the different communities simply because I'm part of all those communities. I, I would share that sentiment. I have that same range in my family as well. And I guess maybe that's why we're just a little bit more accustomed to not seeing color because we were exposed to that, like our lives with the different family members. I remember getting my hair cut. Um, I was probably nine, ten years old. When that issue came up, uh, my Uncle Pete was cutting my hair, and in Spanish he said, ¿De dónde viene este pelo tostado? Which means, where did this toasty hair come from? <laughs> and so my aunt, who was in the kitchen, he, she says, Porque su papá viene de la raza negra, which means his dad comes from the black race. And, and so, but it was true. And I, of course, I never knew about it, but... Uh, but uh, as you, you know, you grow and you investigate, and yes, there's the African side of the family. It's almost like we experienced racism within the family and extended Sometimes. family. So that I think that's what really made me just so much more broad and open-minded mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. acceptance because I saw that I just had everyone yeah. of different you know, varieties in my family. But this also gets back to another thing that Mario and I were talking about with the story about his hair, is that when I was growing up, and you know, obviously I live in a beach town in Michigan City, and I love to go to the beach. And I would get a tan two or three days in a row, and I would come home and my mother would just like sternly, you know, berate me for making my skin dark. So where, where was that coming from? Kind of, I think it was, because I think certain Hispanic um, communities or cultures have an have a racism toward yeah, the yeah. really dark-skinned, let's say, Dominican or the dark-skinned uh, Puerto Rican. And I think, you know, I was raised to have this pride that my side of the Dominican family came from Spain, you know, so we were light-skinned Dominicans. And so when I came home with a tan from the beach, it was like I was lowering my social class. Interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, did you experience anything like that as well, Mario? Just oh, a, a little, little bit, bit of ingrained. Yes. Like you said, uh, sometimes you don't realize it. It's kind of you know ingrained. I think more it's, so, you know. more so coming from my mom. Mm -hmm. uh, like yeah, <laughs> it's always uh, the moms. My dad. <laughs> Was it more worried for you too? Do you, I mean? Oh it, no, it, it, and, it, and plus it would embarrass her. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Amongst the like twelve people that are in yeah. Michigan City at the time. Yeah. That are yeah. <laughs> I mean, I recall I was probably seven, eight years old, and we had one of our my dad's good friends named Polo, and we drove up to uh, it was uh, Miller Beach, and we were we got to the entrance of the beach, and they said, "Well, you guys can come in, but he can't," and and that was probably the first time I, I experienced racism. Uh, I know my parents had had gone through some of those issues before. So just because you were Hispanic? No, because Polo was a black Puerto oh, Rican. Okay. What about you, Ugo? I mean, obviously, um, you still speak with an accent, these kind of things, and so to um, pick you out then as a Hispanic becomes a little bit easier because you have these kind of uh, language markers about you. Have you experienced any racism since you've been here and what does that look like for you? Well, yeah. I and if you want to point them out if they're in the yeah. room, go ahead. <laughs> I had a handful here. Maybe we'll leave it for later. That table over there. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very careless about about it, you know, so I don't don't worry too much about it. But uh, I I tend to joke uh, when when it happens, you know, with my family, and um, you know, my stere the stereotype of the uh, Hispanic worker that comes here is probably about that height uh, that Mary was <laughs> mentioning, five foot tall, uh, you know, a uh, little thick, very dark, complected, you know, and I am. Uh, just a little different than that. So I will get uh, many times with my accent, uh, a person asks me, so, oh, I, I like your accent. You know, where are you from? I am from Mexico. Oh, <laughs> I still get it to the day, you know, uh, where, oh, you're from Mexico. Now, now, I thought that you were like Italian or, you know, so, you know, and now Mexico is not as good, you know, and uh, I experienced a little bit of a different uh spin to probably what Mario and Rose uh, mm -hmm. get, you know, just because I'm, I'm from Mexico and, you know, they, there is a lot of uh, animosity at times, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and especially with the media today, it just, just grows like fire, you know. But um, I get it, I get it quite, quite often. Um, but again, I just keep going with my uh, smile and uh, nod uh, and then mm -hmm. keep going with it, you know. Is it, is it also... Because you can't let, I mean, you, you just can't let those things bother you, kind of, or is that, is that why? Or, I mean, because that, that, those, those can be hurtful, right? Anytime I think anybody's made to feel like another, right, mm -hmm. can be very hurtful to the, the, the state of becoming part of a community. Do you just kind of have to let it go because you just can't let it become toxic, or is well, it just I, your personality? I, I think my father taught each one of us that, you know, in this world, you're going to find individuals who are not going to like you for a wide variety of reasons. And so oftentimes, you know, he would tell us, you know, some of these things that the people will say to you, you're just going to have to let it roll off your back and just continue to move on because the fact of the matter, he says, you know, I've met uh, Puerto Ricans who don't like Puerto Ricans. Or like I've met, uh, um, you know, Chinese who don't like uh, uh, Caucasians. And then I've met other people who don't like none of us. And, and, and so uh, you, you kind of learn. Uh, I think like Hugo, I, I remember uh, specifically several times at functions like this actually, that um, someone co would come up to me and say, uh, ask me you know, what my name is. Oh, I'm Mario Rosa. Oh, that's a beautiful Italian name. And <laughs> I'd say, yes it is. And uh, I said, however, uh, I'm of Puerto Rican descent. I said, oh, that's okay. Oh, <laughs> I said, oh, when was it not okay? And, and I kind of shoot that right back oh. at them. And then they got to get, oh, I didn't mean anything by it. I said, well, I, I'm sure that you did. I'm said, sure I said, you did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, you know, you, you have to take it with a grain of salt and, then, and move on. I'll get offended for you. Um, <laughs> Ugo, um, you have worked through the immigration um, system recently. Mario, you help people work through immigration mm -hmm. system. Uh, Rose, I'm not sure how familiar you are or not familiar with it. Well, honestly, um, you know what? Yeah. Okay, truth be told, yeah. I was actually married to an immigration attorney for like really? over 25 years. Okay, well then yeah. great. You guys all have... So, um, they're but talking I won't about comment. comprehensive immigration kind of reform. If you guys had... Uh, uh, if you wanted to kind of send a message to lawmakers and say, okay... What kind of reform needs to happen, or some of the ideas that you think need to be addressed? Um, what would you tell them? Oh, loaded question, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, uh, you know, 
Uh, it is a, obviously what lawmakers have in hand is extremely difficult, correct? Uh, you have a wonderful country with a lot of opportunities for a lot of people, correct? The American mm -hmm. dream is built through that. So there's going to be people wanting to come to this country regardless of their background, regardless of what their country they come from. They're going to keep coming here because they see the opportunity that uh, all of us have had, you know, uh, through our lives. So what is the... Um, uh, thought for lawmakers, uh, you know, uh, continue finding the right balance on how that uh, paperwork, uh, uh, you know, all the uh, process goes, uh, and how to um, be respectful of that. You know, not not give that connotation of, oh, yeah, that you're from another place and we're figuring this out but invite those conversations to hopefully, uh, you know, um, accept people in a legal way, correct? Mm -hmm. uh, that I think that's what I, everybody would like to see and not just uh, having people circumventing those laws to try to get to the opportunity that they're looking for, correct? Because uh, I don't think anybody's, uh, um, you know, when the, you see all these conflicts, nobody sees <laughs> the father that just left three kids at home uh, with not a lot to eat uh, and then just comes and crosses illegally. Well, why are they doing it? They're still in my job, you know. Well, I understand what they are doing it uh, because I have seen those parents uh, without being able to take care of their kids. Uh, do I agree that it's illegal? Well, probably not, you know, because I try to do the things straightforward. But I truly understand where they're coming, you know, so uh, try to make that process better, uh, you know, when, especially when the country's booming and we have unemployment of 1% uh, Elkhart or less, uh, or we have people working 80 hours because we don't have enough people to work with, you know, uh, and uh, it happens in a lot of businesses, so there, I think, I always think that there should be a way that uh, we can give some of those permits to people to work at those points, you know, and, and give a benefit to the country, you know, but uh, it's a difficult question to answer. <laughs> no, that is a good, good answer, though. Mario, or Rose? I would think that, you know, one of the things that I've always thought that we need to have um, for the general population is an, an educa educational program on the process, okay, because I think that if more people understood how difficult it is to go through this process, okay, that you would find people would be a, a little bit more, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, sympathetic, perhaps, because it's a difficult process. Uh, you know, I have gone <clears throat> with countless number of people and, and helped them through the process and so forth, okay, and, uh, and even, um, you know, taking a look at, at what the test looks like. I don't think most Americans could pass it, okay? Uh, and, and, but if, in order to, to, to get the powers to be, to begin to take a, a serious look at the system, okay, and, and the, the, the flaws that it has, okay, I think the, the outcry has to come from right here. And, and so when, when the big voices, uh, the, big groups begin to speak and say, hey, you know, we have to have uh, something changed here so that individuals are going through the process, you know, don't have to, you know, lose an arm and a leg, so to speak, in the process. 
just to get here, okay, just to apply. And, and you better hope you get the same person because if it's another individual uh, that handles your case the second time around, it's extremely difficult. Uh, we, we would always pray before going in there that the person we were dealing with in immigration wasn't grumpy that day. Well, that's it exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to comment on this, and I'm going to go yeah. out on a really crazy limb here. It's okay. That, that's what okay. discussion over dinner is for, okay. crazy limbs. But it seems that immigration reform is obviously in the hands of lawmakers, and that is a very partisan topic. And it's always going to be, you know, left versus right, and there is no... Um, has been no resolution for a long time. Part of me almost feels like there should be like a separate body that's more humanitarian based to solve the immigration issue. Simply because when you hear about the children who have been, the children who have been separated from their parents and they're in detention centers and several have died, I mean to me that's a humanitarian crisis that really has almost nothing to do with immigration. It's like how are we handling and treating people who are coming into the country, immigration status aside. So that's my crazy limb. <laughs> uh, now, I, I, if that's crazy, we've got a problem. Um, <laughs> So, um, Ugo, you um, you said you work with about, you said what sixty percent of Patrick Industries might um, give me a maybe just a general demographic of the people that are working with you at Patrick Industries. Are they young men? Are they? I mean, how how did they get here? Kind of explain kind of the the general maybe demographics of the people that you're working with, so people know these are the people that are in Elkhart working, and you know introduce us maybe to a general kind of understanding of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll go back to probably your original question, talking about mentors. Uh, I didn't have, uh, uh, I wasn't born here, you know, I came in when I was 20 some years old, uh, but I did have a couple of mentors when I started supervising at, at, at Patrick and uh, Adorn back, back then. Uh, uh, people that impacted my life uh, even more than I could expect, you know, and it was the worker in the line uh, that told me that walked from Honduras to LA just to find that dream, you know, 17 years old, uh, now a grown man that I was leading, uh, um, about five foot tall, by the way, excellent <laughs> operator, um, that left with his uh, friend, 17 years old, barefooted, walking from Honduras to go and pursue the American dream. So you're talking about mentorship, uh, uh, somebody that... Uh, Today is a citizen, owns a few properties, helps people around, you know, has done it all right, other than he did cross the border without any paperwork, correct? Uh, uh, back, uh, back in the day, he's probably in his uh, 50s now. Uh, but uh, that's the type of individual that, that, that we see there, you know. Um, I have a supervisor on second shift. Uh, his name is Fidel. And uh, when he first came in, uh, uh, also illegally, uh, he was working for a farm in uh, Apple Farm in Michigan. You know, it was his first first job. Um, and um, the that he tells you that the pigs at the farm ate better than he did uh, is uh, what he got at the beginning. Until the day, even though the guy is making you know today in the sixty thousand dollar range you know pretty well you know he works a lot but he, he he makes a decent living and has raised his family here in the actually in the south bend area west side of, of south bend every single year he takes off on vacation 
paid to go and help the people and the uh, apple. Uh, I call it apple farm, but how do you call them? Is that an orchard. orchard? Thank you. You can call it yeah, apple farm. Yeah, I like it. I like that. How it sounds. I like how it sounds. Apple farm. Uh, so he he is so grateful of the leftovers that he got uh, uh, to now have raised his family. Uh, his daughter uh, just finished accounting. He's doing an internship at Patrick in accounting, you know, uh, at the corporate offices uh, because we were able to uh, get her into an interview, you know, uh, and and done so well. And he's so grateful for that opportunity. And that's some of the demographic that that I work with. Um, uh, that you know, obviously, I have those are first generation. Uh, you have uh, second, third generation uh, uh, Hispanics as well. And uh, the demographics have changed a lot since I started with, you know, a, a lot of uh, African-American as well uh, uh, in the community. And now it's a very, very dynamic mix that I think uh, makes makes the workforce very strong. Um, Mario, I'm going to ask you the same question because you work with a lot of Hispanic families here in Laporte. Now, we did have a question. What percentage of Laporte County is Hispanic in the the 11%. census what is it it's about 11 percent. 11 percent. yeah the census i think says seven but then there's always an asterisk by that yeah. right and so it's about 11 percent. is it so what about you what are you seeing what is the kind of average hispanic family in laporte county that you're meeting are they young families are they fam people with children you know um, a lot of kids uh i think that uh um you know, since I spent a lot of time, well, I would say from 2003 to, or 2006 to 2012, um, in Michigan City, um, you know, returning back to Laporte here, there's a, a lot of new families um, that don't know who Don Mario is, okay? They're introduced to, by the other families uh, to me and so forth, and the reception has been very warm, and, and but... Um, a lot of young people. Um, now, some of the folks that I started with at Don Puente in 2003, uh, they are—they're um, the ones who, you know, are guiding and directing the the individuals that are, you know, more recent arrivals, and helping them kind of get through the process and so forth, and and help them to find jobs and and uh, you know, it's it's um, the older generation now helping the younger generation that's coming. Rose, do you have anything to add no. to that or no? no. Okay. Um, do you think, here's a question we have. Um, do you guys, uh, you guys can, um, hold on. Uh, okay, a couple questions here. This is a quick one. Where was Rose's family from in the Dominican Republic? Santo Domingo. Santo Domingo, okay. <clears throat> um, do you think there's a risk of losing culture and heritage when you don't acknowledge or appreciate the differences? Should we say, you know what, um, let's not all try to be similar, but let's all try to, I think this is kind of where this question is coming from, let's embrace our differences and acknowledge the differences, but don't let the differences bother us. Does that make sense or not? Because um, um, I think there was a, somebody that said something about, you know, we, just don't, we don't see race, we try not to do that. Um, but do you, if you do that, do you then lose the grasp of your own heritage and say, you know? Yeah, when, uh, I think when Rose, and, and I think I mentioned the same, same is uh, we're extremely proud of our 
heritage, correct? We're uh, celebrating uh, I, the, I, you know, a wonderful Disney movie that helps me with the Dia de los Muertos uh, to <laughs> pass it through my, my kids and really understand what that means, you know? Uh, my mom, as, as you know, Nate passed several years ago, you know, and then just get that. Uh, that's that's uh, that's the essence of that event, you know, or that tradition uh, uh, to remember. <laughs> Does it do a good job uh, communicating it? Does uh, the movie do a good no, job? They, especially when the sandal goes out. Uh, that was my mom, you know, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 chasing me with the sandal. But uh, oh my God, el chan la chancleta, la chancleta. Yeah, they know exactly what I'm talking about. So, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, we are extremely proud of it. We're going to celebrate it anytime we can. Uh, uh, so I don't think there is a risk of losing it, correct? We wanna, we wanna. I think what Rosa, Rose, um, Ari, and I are stating is uh, the fact that uh, we're trying to see each other as a just general individual, correct? It doesn't matter what. But uh, when Dia de los Muertos comes, believe me, we're gonna be talking about Dia de los Muertos, <laughs> correct? Or we're gonna be dancing salsa, you know? Right. We have dance parties every night at home, it seems, you know. So we're we're dancing because we love it. I love it, you know, and the kids <coughs> are. Learning to love it, even though they didn't know better, correct? Uh, what about Deanne? Uh, she, lo she loves it. She loves it. <laughs> she loves it too. If you yeah. were to walk into my boys' room right now, one of the things that you would see, along with other things that uh, 15 and 17 year olds have up in their walls, they have a Puerto Rican flag given to them by their Uncle Angel, and, and they, they proudly display it, and that's part of who they are. And I think that uh, being able to share with others, um, the fact that this is what our heritage is no different than perhaps, you know, the, the Irishman who loves St. Patrick's Day, okay, o or the, the, the Italian that uh, loves Columbus Day and, and so forth, okay? It's being able to take what I have and say, this is part of who I am, this is part of my heritage, okay? I want to be able to share it with you and, and, and so that uh, you can, um, in, in Spanish we would say, disfrutar. You're going to, you're going to, how would you say that, uh, um, to, um? In Spanish or in English? In Spanish. In English, right? he calls it a fruit farm, so. Well, disfrutar basically uh, means. Apple farm. Apple farm. Yes. Yeah. It basically means that you're going to benefit from the fruit of what, yeah. what is presented yep. before you. I have to admit, I have my Dominican flag. And I think that what it does is it opens up a dialogue. Right. Because if someone doesn't see, doesn't see that flag very often, they're like, oh, where's that flag from? And it's like, oh, Dominican Republic, that's where my family's from. And that already gives me an opportunity to engage and enlighten and um, you know, share my culture with other people. So there is a benefit to having flying your, your nation's flag. I mean, to this day, I, can, I find myself uh, especially on my dad's birthday. Both my parents have been gone for a while now, but uh, my dad's birthday or, or my mom's birthday, I, I will sit and listen to um, some of the old boleros that uh, they would, uh, beautiful music that uh, um, my parents used to listen to. And uh, it brings a lot of memories back just to listen to my mom and dad um, listening to this particular music. I, I used to chuckle because my... My dad, on um, one particular occasion, we were, uh, we were sitting in the um, living room, TV room, and my mom is playing the ballads. And uh, so my, my mom comes into the room where my dad and I were watching the Cubs game, and she says, your dad used to sing to me, this to me all the time. 
And so I see this smirk on my dad's face, and my mom left. I said, okay, dad, tell me the real story. He says, I used to play them to all the girls. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here's another question we received. Um, what can be done to increase voter registration and participation of Hispanics in LaPorte County? What are the biggest deterrents to be overcome? Well, obviously, citizenship is one of them. Yeah. And, and so... Um, but even even uh, with that, I think that um, unfortunately, um, I've been reading a lot of uh, Lee's articles, and and uh, I think that much like the general population, okay, the Hispanic community, uh, unfortunately, is uh, apathetic as well when it comes to voting, and and don't understand uh, the importance of it, and and uh, that. You know, we have seen in many um, elections where one or two votes has made a difference. And I think that, you know, uh, you know, one of the things that we have done personally in our family is that <coughs> our boys have been uh, from here, every year they go with us to vote. And, and we stress the importance of it. And, and I think that, um, you know, I'd like to see more parents do that, whether they're Hispanic or, or not. Uh, that we take the time to tell our um, children that the day is going to come where you have a civic duty. Okay, you need to vote. Yeah, and one thing, uh, one, one thing to emphasize and understand uh, for somebody coming here. Uh, uh, you just voted in your first election last year, uh, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, is the fact that that civic duty is not well taught in Mexico, correct? So these people are coming from branches. That right. There is a right. few hundred people to a few thousand maybe. Uh, and so it's not well taught, not well communicated. There is not a lot of uh, information there. Uh, and uh, a lot of those immigrants, you know, obviously don't pass that civic duty to, to their kids, you know, now born here uh, potentially. So uh, it's a little bit of education, and it comes from us in the, uh, the entire community to do that education. And again, it's like Mario said, it's for everybody, not just mm -hmm. a, a specific mm -hmm. uh, race. But uh, but in 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 Mexico, which is the, the probably the higher of the Hispanic population, there is not a lot of the education in those uh, in many of the places where they. Is there just from. is it come from kind of an apath apathy that it's just corrupt anyway, kind of or? Yeah, like, you know, what, lost, it lost a lot of faith on that. You know, a lot of times they go and pay out these towns to vote sure. for some certain people. So it's, it's just a, a, yeah. a little yeah. bit of, of that. Uh, although, you know, better communication is improving that and it's becoming more democratic, you know, uh, election. But it's still, it's still not there. And then they come here and they, they have that same thought, you know, well, why, why do I go kind of thing, you know. Uh, so, Rose, you have anything to add? Or? Um, I can honestly say that my 90-year-old mother has voted, like I think the, maybe the last two elections, and even though she had been a naturalized citizen for many years, but she just really has gotten into it the last few elections, and it's mm -hmm. so cute to see, you know, she wears her little proud I voted sticker, mm -hmm. and I do need to go and with And then her. Instagrams kind of. it. Does she Instagram it or <laughs> yeah. no? No, but I, I probably would, and she'd check it on her Facebook <laughs> because she does use her iPad. Um, but I think that's really endearing to see yeah. as well, that she's so proud to participate in the system. All right, um, just a couple minutes left. I'm gonna <laughs> ask two, two more questions. Um, uh, what, what um, well, actually three more questions, sorry. What organizations in the county do you see doing good work um, in and among the Latino American community? Are there any that you maybe wanna talk about or is that kind of an area that we need more of? 
Yeah, I, I'm not familiar with too many, actually, that exist. No, well, I think it's uh, a gap. Yeah, I would I say think. I would say Doonbrook, healthy communities. I think that there's a lot of agencies that are reaching out uh, and have been reaching out for a lot of years, simply because you know I, I for a long time I've been the go-to guy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, right now um, there's several agencies that are out there that are actually looking for. Uh, individuals who speak Spanish so that they can um, go out and do family visits and so forth. So I think as a whole, uh, the non-profit agencies that are out there um, realize that you know this is a, a population that needs services, and they're all trying to figure out how are we going to do it. I think they find more resources maybe through their congregations or through their okay. churches. Yep. Like Michigan City has um, a very strong Hispanic congregation at Queen of All Saints Church, and they do get together quite mm -hmm. often and work on different issues and offer support to people in the community. So, yeah, but as far as nonprofits in Michigan City proper, I'm not really aware of any. Um, Ugo, you're a citizen now. Mario and, and um, Rose, you guys are, are naturalized citizens, but are you guys have been citizens. Um, but what does it mean for you guys to be <coughs> a Latino American? What does that mean for you? I don't necessarily see myself as a Latino American. I just see myself as an American. Yeah, what does that mean for you? What does being an American mean to you? Um, I, I think that um, it's for me. It's a privilege to live in, you know, the most prosperous country um, in in our world, and and I think that um, I feel blessed um, that. Uh, when I was born here, and, and uh, most people don't still don't know that uh, Puerto Ricans are naturalized citizens, and uh, I've been asked that question. Some people a in our times. government don't know that either. Yeah. But. <laughs> uh, they'll ask me, "Well, did 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 you get a visa?" No, I, I was <laughs> born in East Chicago, Indiana. Although some people think East Chicago is out of this world, but uh, but um, you know, I, it's a privilege, and, and uh, there are many places that. You know, I suppose that you could live, but I can't find any place better than, than uh, I probably call myself a Hoosier more than I even do because I love the state of Indiana and and uh, I've loved raising my kids here and and um, hopefully one day raising my grandkids here. Mm -hmm. What about you? I'm going to say that I identify more as American, yeah, um, but that the Dominican culture is more like. Um, my essence, yeah. it's like this layer that just is always like kind of floating in the background but doesn't define me. I just feel like it adds a layer of nuance. So, so what would you say though, being, <clears throat> what does being an American mean to you? Like what, what, how would you define like the essence of being an American? I guess um, freedom and that's mm. like an overarching concept mm. I guess and kind of difficult to um, really pinpoint that, but I do feel blessed, as we all said, to be in this country, and I probably have taken it for granted since I was born and raised here, but uh, I do sense that having the freedoms to do what we want to do, you know, um, freedom of religion, speech, everything, it's, it's really amazing, and um, definitely something not to be taken for granted. You know, I, I remember, Nate, um, just recently I had a mom um, from Venezuela, and um, you know she came by 
uh, to let me know that uh, she was going to have have to go back or she'd lose her visa for for ten years, and um, you know, her parting comments were. I don't think people really understand how good they have it here. And, uh, you know, it was uh, the week when the, the riots were, were at full force there. And I thought about her and her daughter uh, having to go back and, and go through that process. And, and I think that, you know, reminds me of what you said, the freedom that we have that so often we um, pay little attention to and take for granted. Hugo, what what does it mean to be an American? You know, I uh, you know obviously it correlates exactly to uh, what uh, Marion Rose have mentioned, and I think uh, the ability to utilize that freedom to impact people, correct, uh, uh, to be part of making this country more prosperous by example, by how you treat others, regardless of race, mm. uh, regardless of religion, uh, everything that we have as an essence and uh, uh, this country is what uh, may make me uh, you know apply for my citizenship correct and uh, and now I have that ability and I think I have always had it but now to participate as a citizen to make this country better correct as well and I think we are all that is in that community in between all the different races all the different cultures Ethnic backgrounds, uh, people born here, not here, is what may, has made this country what it is today, you know. And now I can participate as a full citizen to make it better, correct? And that's a, a dream, a goal. It's a, thank you so much. Our last question um, that we always ask every panelist um, is what brings you hope? Now I'm going to let you think about that uh, real oh. quick. Um, well, I tell some people thank you for what they did for this event. Um, it takes a lot to put these events on, but we love doing them. Uh, community conversations are vital and important um, because, again, as Ugo has mentioned, as other people have mentioned, we can't count on maybe even national media. We can't do that to understand our own neighbors. We have to look at each other in the face. We have to hear each other's stories um, <clears throat> because that's where the bedrock of empathy is born and the bedrock of um, good neighboring comes from that. And so um, it's an honor to do these events and we will have another one next month and I hope you um, come to that as well and invite your friends and family to that. It's always a, a blessing to do these. But I do want to thank a couple of people. Um, I want to thank uh, Kelly Tanger who um, does all of our content. She, uh, uh, I'm sure when you guys got your episode guides, there was a lot of questions in there mm -hmm. that you might go. She spends a lot of time cultivating content, making sure that the questions that we have are good questions to ask and that our panelists are prepared before we come to the event for with uh, different questions they might get. Um, Becky Crane, who does all of our kind of logistics and production on these events, making sure that everything is in order, scheduling our, our teams that are, are doing it. Um, uh, Jason Clemens, who not only helped with food, also did very begrudgingly today our video work. Um, if you stream today, uh, that's uh, all because of Jason Clemens. Uh, Mike Warner, who did all of our audio tonight. Alyssa Lingle, who does all of our graphics. Um, food services tonight, our chef uh, tonight was Joel Crane, and again, Jason helped him. And then our baristas, uh, Ellen and Molly Cooper. Thank you so much, you guys, uh, for doing what you do. Um, it helps these events kind of 
come through. Um, also, thank you to all of our panelists. You guys have done a great job. And we'll end with this one question. Ugo, I'll start with you. Ugo Gonzalez, what brings you hope? Uh, you know, this community, you know, uh, just seeing people interested uh, in the Hispanic community, correct? Uh, that's what brings hope that I can put my little uh, piece in this puzzle and uh, make things better for everybody. <laughs> Amen. Mario, what brings you hope, bud? I, I think that, um, you know, as I think about that particular question, I, I, I think of my elementary kids. I think of, uh, you know, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday when I'm at Heilman and, and I wait at the door and see all these beautiful young kids coming in and, and how much they care for one another and, and how much, uh, what a great job the teachers do at and not just Lincoln or Heilman, but Lincoln and all the other elementary schools. Um, that, that gives me hope, you know. Yeah. Rose, what about you? What brings you hope? Ugo, you took my answer. It's That's okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say events like this really give me hope because as long as there are interested parties, organizations, groups, <laughs> churches that put on events like this or other um, types of gatherings where people can learn about each other, um, I think is really the first step. And, you know, as long as the sun rises the next day, I have hope because it just gives us one more opportunity to like you said before, keep smiling at your neighbor and saying hello, and it just gives us, I mean, we wake up every day with a fresh new chance to bridge gaps, and that gives me hope. Amen. Well, I want to thank you all for coming today and tonight. Thank you for being here. Thank you for all of our volunteers. Thank you for streaming with us. Will you please give a hand to our panelists tonight? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Have a great night, um, and we'll see you next month.